Uh, today I'm honored and grateful to have the opportunity to bring a word to you this morning, uh, and one that I hope that doesn't just reach seniors, but also reaches many of you who are post-graduation, probably by a, a quite a few years. Uh, this year I am 10 years post-high school graduation, and uh, it is exciting to be with you this morning. Uh, I'm, also be, I'm also thankful that I'm able to speak this morning and allow Pastor Brock to be on a little bit of a, a vacation. Uh, Pastor Brock has worked incredibly hard over the past four months, uh, working through the coronavirus and working through all the new things that we're trying to do here at church to, to love people, to respect them and honor them, as well as keep the church running uh, and allowing us to stay on staff and things like that. And so, uh, Pastor Brock, we love you and uh, we miss you, but we're really glad that you're able to take some time off and, uh, and rest. So I hope that you're having an awesome time. Uh, but it's, a, it's a, an honor and a privilege to, to fill in for Pastor Brock. Um, you know, I'm definitely not Pastor Brock. Uh, I, I am not uh, quite the, the, the speaker that he is, so this will probably be looking more like a, a mule at a Kentucky Derby than, uh, than anything else. But uh, I'm going to do my best this morning and, uh, and share with you a word that, uh, that God has laid on my heart, and uh, I'm excited to, to share with you. Uh, in this current season of life, you know, I don't have to, to tell you that things have been pretty difficult. Uh, I know that you've probably gone through a lot. Uh, seniors, I know that you have missed out on a whole bunch. Uh, you've missed out on a lot of opportunities. I know that this year did not end the way that you expected it to end and uh, kind of have missed a lot of kind of rites of passage when it comes to your education. And I know that that's been uh, difficult for you. Uh, for, the, for the rest of you, I know that life has also been a struggle for you. I know that things have not moved or gone the way that you probably expected them to. Uh, there's been so many things that have been out of the norm. Uh, I'm sure that you've, uh, work has looked different for you. Uh, things, uh, going to work has not looked normal. I'm sure that your kids not being in school or grandkids not being in school is not normal. Uh, I know that probably uh, the activities that are going on in your life have looked different. Uh, can't really eat inside or we used to not be able to eat inside. Maybe, maybe uh, we can at some point. Um, you know, maybe money's not coming in like normal. Uh, maybe you're struggling to, to deal with different financial things and uh, work life. Uh, maybe uh, things at home are not like normal. Maybe your business is not operating like normal. I just know that things are just way out of whack. The things just kind of feel like they're just not right. And so uh, I felt like this morning what we should really be talking about uh, things that God's laid on my heart, not just for our graduates, but also for you, is just to talk about hope. I think hope is something that we need right now. Uh, I would say that hope it often leaves with the loss of control. One of the killers of hope is this loss of control. We desire in our lives to have control. We want to control our lives to, to the greatest degree. We want to be the captains of our own ship. Would you agree? We like a sense of control. But what happens when we lose that control? Uh, Sometimes uh, because we're just not able to control the things that are around us, but sometimes because we're forced uh, by outside forces to, to lose the control that we thought we had on our life. And we're forced to conform to things and do things that maybe we didn't really want to do, but are now forced to do. Uh, I would tell you that control, control often gives a false sense of security and power. With this control, however, what can happen is that we can atrophy in areas of faith and hope. When we are controlling every aspect of our lives, uh, there's not much need for faith and hope, right? If we are able to control everything, who needs faith? If I'm able to provide means for myself, who needs hope? 
You know, uh, so, so when we lose these control, when we lose this control and things ab- above our pay grade kind of dictate things to us and, and, and control uh, and remove the control that we thought we had in our lives, where are we left? And I think what is left is that we need to kind of bolster our faith and hope together. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I've done a little research into how losing control affects us. Uh, and what does that do for us inside of our, our bodies and our minds uh, physically? You know that when you lose control, uh, your brain starts to, to shut down. And it uh, becomes uh, almost helpless. Uh, psychologists call it like a learned helplessness. I don't know if you've ever heard that term before. But your brain starts to uh, shut down. And uh, when you get to a place where you're feeling totally out of control, when life feels out of control, you start to uh, show clinical symptoms like depression, anxiety, stress, burnout. Did you know that your sleep patterns, they change? Your energy level changes. Your appetite begins to change. Your concentration changes, as well as uh, the things that they call executive functions. They start to be hindered, which are things like creativity, problem solving, linear thinking, ability to sequence, ability to release resources in the right amount at the right time, ability to have a wider range of options in your head other than just a small few. There's just so many things that happen that are biochemically empowered in your life. But when you feel like life is out of control, when you feel like things are just not right, those things are also biochemically hindered. And so you start to lose a little, a little bit of your ability to, uh, to feel good, to feel right. When it feels like everything's out of control, things can quickly turn hopeless. Uh, let me tell you, let me describe this process for you a little bit, okay? Um, first of all, it starts with kind of negative self-talk. When you start to feel like things are out of control, life is out of control, you start to talk negatively to yourself. And you start to say things like, man, I knew I should have saved more. Man, I, I should have studied more and I should have applied for a better job. I knew that I should have done this or done that. But ultimately, in some way, you end up just feeling bad about what's going on. And that's the start because then it begins to kind of snowball. Because the negativity then turns after a little while from negative self-talk and being frustrated with yourself to being negative about yourself and everyone else around you. And you start to say things like, man, these people at work, they're just terrible. This industry is awful. This city and everyone in it, they're the worst. I hate my life. This brain that you're using that is hindered because of the stress and the the loss of control that you're feeling, you know, it's not able to really process what you're going through. It's not able to categorize how you're dealing with things and really put things into perspective. And so everything just feels bad, wrong, and uncontrolled in your life. And what ends up happening is that that continues further down the road and it actually turns to killing your hope. And how does that happen? Sounds like this. I bet next time, nothing will be different. In fact, in a month, I think we'll still be the same place. You know what? I don't really see us coming out of this. I don't think things are ever going to get better. So they start with this personal, I'm bad at myself. I should have done something better. I should have saved more. And it goes to, you know what? Uh, Everybody around me, they're they're hurting me. They're they're a problem. Everybody's an issue. And then it goes to, you know what? This is permanent. 
I don't see any hope. This is just going to be the way it is for forever. So how do we get to a place where we are engaging our faith and hope in our lives despite of who or what is in control? And that leads me to this passage of scripture in Romans chapter 12 that says this. It says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. How do we rejoice in hope? Well, I think we have to start by spending time in God's word and being with God's people. Did you know that the, God's word is living and active and was created to bring you a message of hope through the person of hope who is Jesus Christ? That when you start engaging God's word, you are going to be filled with the living and active word of God and be filled with hope. And uh, you know, the Bible was created and written for us to, when we are discouraged, to be encouraged. That when we feel lost, to find our way. And when all hope seems to be gone, we are reminded that we have the ultimate hope in Jesus Christ. Amen? But we also need to be with God's people. Uh, COVID has kind of uh, hindered us and, and prevented us from regularly meeting in person with the body of Christ or the, the people of God. God uh, intended us to meet together. Paul even says, Do, let's not neglect meeting together. So church, graduates, Hear me on this. You know, I think that something happens when we meet together incarnationally that just doesn't happen digitally. Now, I use this word incarnation. It's a big word. It's kind of a theological word. But really what it means is just a living being, a living human that has, is filled with the Spirit of God. So, you know why I tell you this, because you know what, when we gather together as the body of Christ, when we gather together as a church, we are not gathering together like a sports team. We are not gathering together like a club. Uh, you, you know why that is? Because we have the spirit of God in us. And so when the body of Christ gets together, the spirit of God is one. It is unified. And so the spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead is living in me and is living in you. So when we gather together, the spirit of God is not split into a billion little pieces for each one of us to have, but actually the spirit of God is one. And so when we come together, the spirit unites in all of us. And so there is something that happens when we meet together incarnationally that just does not happen digitally. That does not mean that we should never watch online or shouldn't, shouldn't you know, take time to watch, watch the service, but that there is something, God's word tells us, there is something about meeting together in person, being encouraged in person. So there is something supernatural get, that happens when we get together and that we need to be encouraged by the body of Christ. Uh, also, we need to be patient in tribulation. So it says we need to rejoice in hope, but be patient in tribulation. You know that we are lovers of comfort. We do not like our systems disrupted. Uh, uh, you know, I would say that, you know, uh, there are probably a few people in here this morning that would identify as control freaks. And so when things get out of our control, uh, we are not happy. We love comfort. We love routine. We do not like being uncomfortable. The truth is, you know, I, I don't know how long COVID's going to last. I don't know how long we're going to be in this pattern, but it could be for a long time. But that does not mean that we have lost all hope. And you know why that is? Because our hope 
is not found in comfort. Our hope is not found in returning to the way things used to be. Our hope is not found in a certain way of life. Our hope is found in Jesus. And so it does not matter our circumstances, it matters who we are trusting in. And so we can be patient in tribulation because our hope should not be found in just our personal lifestyle choices. It should be really found in Jesus. And finally, our hope is found through prayer and caring for others. I think that of all the spiritual disciplines, prayer is the most neglected. It says here, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, constant in prayer. What I found for a lot of Christians, and I've been guilty of this myself, is this, that you know, we'll seek out counsel, we'll read some of the Bible, we'll listen to a podcast, we'll watch a YouTube self-help video, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll pull up a TED Talk, but the last thing that we'll do is pray. We want to we wanna find all the, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go to, you know, how to solve this problem for dummies book, but we're not going to go to prayer. But God's word here says, hey, be constant in prayer. If you want to have some of the hope in your life restored, you've got to speak to the God who's the author and restorer of hope. He is a hope dealer. He gives hope freely, and we've got to be in relationship, in conversation with God. And what I know is that there is no substitute for prayer except for prayer itself. And so uh, my encouragement to you today is to spend some time in your prayer closet. Get away and pray. Pray about your life, the situations that are going on around us. The last thing that I believe that we need to do is to serve and care for one another. A few weeks ago, I learned about this study. The study that was done in uh, 1957 by a, a, a doctor named Dr. Kurt Richter. I don't know if you've ever heard of this study, but in it, him and his team did some experiments on Norwegian rats. That is a tongue twister. Ugh, I could barely get that out. Norwegian rats. They did this study on these rats. And uh, it was a fascinating study. So let me tell you what happened. Here's what happened. Uh, Dr. Richter and his team, they got these rats, and then they filled these big containers with water. Okay? And they grabbed these rats, and they tossed them in the water. Now, this, the water was low enough that there was no way that these rats could escape the water. So they just had to swim around and tread water for as long as they could. And what they ended up finding out was that about, after uh, about 15 minutes later, after the rats were thrown in the water, they ended up just giving up and dying. But then they continued on with some further experimentations. Here's what happened. They started to take rats, throw them in the water, let them swim around, and you know, after a while of swimming, they would actually pull the rat out of the water, set it down, wipe it down, let it rest for just a few seconds, pick the rat up again, toss it back in the water. Guess what would happen? That rat would not tread water for 15 minutes. That rat would end up on average treading water for 60 hours. So it really was a crazy study that was done by Dr. Richter. And the researchers postulated that the death of these rats was more psychological than physiological, and that the real issue that these rats were dealing with was hopelessness. So these rats, they'd come and they'd toss them in the water, and after 15 minutes, they'd just give up and die. But if you would pick them up just one time, pick them up out of the water, wipe them off, set them down, pick them right back up, and toss them right back in the water, they would tread water for 60 hours from 15 minutes 
to 60 hours. That is incredible, isn't it? And so what this tells us is that hope allows us to do exponentially more than what we would do originally without it. That we need hope in our lives. You need hope in your life. And the great thing about it is that you're sitting here this morning in worship of the God who gives us hope. That you have been scooped out of the water and dried off and sat down. And you know that there is hope of rescue. That's what those rats would do. They knew if I just, once they got scooped up one time, they would swim forever because they, they were thinking, there's a chance that I'll get scooped up again. And so when I say that the last thing that I believe we need to do is to serve and care for one another, that's because the people in our lives, like our coworkers, our neighbors, and our friends, they all need hope. And see, they are like the rats that were thrown in the first time that they're swimming around and swimming around and they're looking at the world around them at this moment in time and thinking, there's no hope. This is gonna be permanent. And honestly, what the researchers found is that those rats, ultimately, they just gave up and died after 15 minutes. They just called it quits. And so what I want you to know is that you have the ability to give hope to people. Uh, the Greek word for hope is E-L-P-I-S, which is actually pronounced elpis. The biblical concept for hope was never thought to be an objective assessment. People in biblical times didn't look around and try to justify hope through their circumstances. People in biblical times, they would, they would actually view hope as something that was a subjective assessment. Uh, they would look back at the faithfulness of God in times in their history, and those times would be the proof of hope. They would look into their backstory. They would look into the backstory of their life and see God who would, who would have and have, has proven his, his trust and, and, and proven the, the moments in life when he has given them hope. And so that, that backstory, that proof, that evidence would then give them hope for the future. It was never them looking at this moment of time, this day, this week, and looking around and saying, is there any hope? No, they look back into their backstory and know that there was hope for a future. And my, I hope today that you're able to look into your life's backstory and to see the evidence of God's movement and provision in your life and see the times when God has scooped you out of the water and set you on dry land, and that evidence is hope for you today for your future. And um, that's, that's my prayer for you this morning, is that you would leave here today filled with hope, filled with peace, filled with joy. None of those things reliant on your circumstances. I, I find it interesting that the Greek word for hope is el peace. I don't, I, don't, I don't really know what to make of that, but I find that interesting. And so my prayer for you today uh, especially for my seniors, is that you would remember that faith is a journey, not a destination. That your relationship with Christ is a daily relationship as you walk with Jesus. You know, and I know that you'll have, you'll have moments of incredible breakthrough, but you'll also have moments of incredible heartbreak. But my hope is that those moments of incredible breakthrough will give you hope for those moments of heartbreak. Uh, when life seems totally out of control, 
I hope that you will still press forward. Church, I hope that when things around you feel hopeless, you will continue to press forward knowing that God is right above the water. And he loves you and he sees you. And seniors, uh, again, it's been my honor and privilege to be your youth pastor. I love you so much. And uh, I'm excited to see what's in your future.